0: At Capella University, you're in control of your education. With the game-changing FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines and move at your own pace. The faster you move, the more you save. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Tonight is a talk show with published authors, writers, and content creators
1: discussing both the creative and technical sides of writing, as well as the industry surrounding it from novels to screenplays to comics and more.
0: And now, here's your host, author Travis
1: I. Sivart. Welcome to Right Night. We'll get to the topic and discussion in just a moment. For those listening to the podcast, we record the podcast on our live stream at twitch.tv slash Travis Tavern Talk, and we have a live interactive chat audience. You might hear the sound of the bell ding, and that means I want to interrupt somebody to read a comment or question. For those on the live stream, we won't read off everything you put in chat, but we'll try to get to the most relevant, the most amusing, or some combination of the both. Now, while we introduce ourselves, go in and let us know what you're reading, writing, or creating tonight. Okay, and while you guys put that there in the chat, I want to let you know, as I promised on the last episode, I am drinking writer's tears through this whole thing because I feel it's so applicable. So we are working, I'm I'm Travis I. Sivart, author of the Silver and Smith Chronicles, and we're editing portions of book two over three podcast episodes. This episode we're going to be focusing on chapter 13, so kind of the middle of act two, and we're here with Tara. I'm going to let you introduce yourself now and tell them a little bit about the type of editing we're working with.
0: Okay. Uh, my name is Tara Muller, Dreamer in Chief at Dreampunk Press, an editor extraordinaire,
1: Indeed. according to
0: Travis. <laughs> <laughs> and in my own mind, um, Dreampunk Press is a small publisher. We're an authors' collective where we're a group of authors that publish together rather than alone cause that's lonely. Um, and I'm also a published author myself.
1: Very good. Okay. Um, right. now.
0: type of edit, yes. line edits. Um, so I'm a copy editor, line editor all day long. And so that is my specialty. I really enjoy doing it for fiction, though, because it's a lot more fun to read than the technical, dry stuff that I read eight hours a day. Um, basically, you go line, sentence by sentence, and you're just checking to for clarity, for grammatical correctness, um, and for the flow of words you're not looking at characterizations, you're not really checking plot unless something just really jumps out and grabs you by the throat and goes, this isn't working. Um, That's a different type of edit, that's developmental edit, and that's not what we're doing here.
1: Okay, so I'm going to read generally a couple of pages, anywhere from one to three pages, and then let Tara comment about the changes that she made as an editor on these pages. For those of you joining us live in chat, you get to see it all on the screen. Now Tara, before I even start to read this, I see the whole first paragraph is highlighted. Mm-hmm. Should I like read the first two paragraphs or three paragraphs and stop and let you comment since you highlighted the whole first thing? Or should
0: um read the first three and then we'll we'll comment okay. on those, yeah. And so, then we'll get back to reading pages at a time.
1: Again, keep in mind this is middle of the book folks so we're we're heavy into the action we already know the characters we already have a good feel for the plot and where things are going so if you're a little lost it's because there's 12 chapters before this and a whole book because this is actually book two silver and smith and the doppelganger's gate and book one is silver and smith and the jazir's light so low slung beasts without fur or feather burst into the light from both directions they ran along the floor and walls, their wide heads supported on thick necks. Leathery skin folded at the joints and a dozen individual eyes moved and blinked independently. Six legs protruded from the dark skin, each stout and ending in, a sh- in short claws on splayed feet. It made Hank think of naked mole rats the size of Rottweilers. Her mind recoiled at the creatures, their unnatural appearance causing her to take a step backwards. The things move like phlegm in her throat in the morning, slick and quick, then stopping suddenly with thick chunks that made her cringe.
0: I love all of that. This is not anything that I edited. I wanted to point out the beauty of this. So we have this first paragraph describing these creatures and then we get to the second paragraph and it introduces how hank is seeing them so as the reader reading that beautiful first sentence is there's there's a paragraph there's alliteration in there there's um definitely some very vivid imagery and you either got really close to how hank sees them um which is for me when it got to naked mole rats the size of rottweilers i'm like yeah that's pretty much what i saw in my head or or maybe an, not but it allows this is the the way you have this set up rather than starting it off with oh I saw these things that look like naked mole rats the size of rottweilers they were low-slung beasts which is the normal way you do that is you give you something and then you you, you, you give a, a better description. You did it backwards, which is beautiful because it is allowing the reader to make a, connect, a, a personal connection with Hank. They either saw the same thing and go, oh, I'm like Hank, or they didn't, which means they're probably going to go, I'm more like Silver. Okay. Okay. And I think that even in the middle of the book because we're still learning about these characters and these characters are growing in this book. There are some beautiful character de- you know there's some beautiful character development and relational development between these two characters. One of the things I absolutely love about this the, uh, the first book and this one with with these two characters there is no romantic interest between the <laughs> two of them and I love that. They are simply friend, really good friends, becoming closer friends all the time, Um, but there's no interjection of Silver going, oh, she's beautiful, look at that, none of it, and there's no Hank going, oh, he's big and strong and can save, no, she's saving his ass most of the time, and I love that. I really, really and truly love that about these two characters. So here we have this opportunity for the reader to make a personal connection with Hank, and they're either making that personal connection. Even if they don't see the exact same thing as Hank, they're probably from that description is going to be that pretty, pretty close. So they're going to be making this. Ah, I see what Hank sees. Then you have, you know, she reco- mind recoiled, their unnatural appearance. And then we get to that third paragraph, like phlegm in her throat, which while w- still working on that vivid, vivid imagery, also gives the reader a physical reaction you know exactly what that is in your throat and it adds that physical reaction to it so that the reader they're not just seeing something in their head they're actually you know i got to this and had to clear my throat reading this and that is something so good because you are causing the reader to react in a very similar way to hank it's really pulling them in. Okay. And I just want to point out, you know, that this is this is beautiful.
1: Thank you. Um, by the way, Wordwin says first paragraph is emotional and visceral in description. The second is more objective. Um, mm-hmm. This is also this chapter is where I decided I wanted more noir-esque feel to it. And I did have another editor look at it and they hated it. They hated it. They're like, this is ridiculous description. It's horrible. I'm just not happy with it at all. Um, see, and I guess that's where different tastes come in. There are certain types of readers that will absolutely hate this sort of thing. Especially as the uh, chapter goes on, you'll see more of that noir as kind of over the top emotional description and and internal description and impressions. As opposed to just, here's a dry, bland description to let you decide how you feel. This lets you know how the characters feel. And, okay. So, uh, going on from here. And I'm going to read probably two or three pages. Unless if I see something, well, you have a whole paragraph highlighted there. We'll get to that. And I'll probably read it with your edits, just to be clear. Both Silver and bracer Herb chimed. Herbing, Hank, we were just talking about Hank. Both Silver's and her bracer chimed, sensors glaring like angry vampire lights on on nighttime electronics, showing electromagnetic spikes that were beyond the standard, indicating the abnormality of the charging creatures. Hank targeted, blasting precise shots into the thick, gooey mass of the forms. The bodies quivered, shaking like a fat lady laughing. Silver drew both glocks and ticked off his bullets, his mind enjoying it more than his stomach. Black icard spattered spattered the walls, floors, and steaming bits of flesh and fluid scattered across the two. A grim smile smearing his lips, Silver dropped to one knee, both firearms held out in front of him. He blasted on instinct and experience, letting his hands direct the shots. Hank teased her bottom lip with her teeth, pressing her eye to Sidney's scope, shifting the barrel a few centimeters to one side or the other gently squeezing the trigger like stroking an eager lover. Each shot met its mark, a destructive force that ripped flesh and dropped the attacking creatures. Moments later, through a haze of gun smoke and sweat, the pair stared at a dozen twitching corpses writhing in the afterglow of sudden death. And I had, through a haze of gun smoke and sweat. We'll get back to that, because that's some stuff where you've made changes. You move that up. The two looked at one another, each letting out a breath. Nodding, Silver stood. "'Where's the signal?' he asked, pulling up the interface on his device. Weird. "'This way,' Hank slid to the side to match her words. "'About 250 meters, and it's coming in clearer. I would suspect ducks buried in the wall, but I don't know how a temporary site would have something like that.' "'Maybe it's not so temporary.' Silver took the lead, slapping a fresh magazine into one weapon and checking the ammo in the other. What if this isn't something new? What if they've been exploring these supposed points, the vortices, for a while now? It wouldn't be beyond big corp to have hidden agendas. Hank didn't have an answer. She didn't have much right now. But she did have a careful count of each shot she'd made, so didn't need to check her ammo. What what were those things? Her voice was thick, like a musky perfume in an elevator as they moved through the hard-packed dirt corridor. Are we going to just gloss over the fact that we just killed a bunch of things that weren't natural? The passageway was a blend of ancient stonework and modern tech. Metal metal conduits, the same kind that Hank had mentioned not seeing before, peeked from the earthwork walls in the wider spaces, glaring at them in their LED spotlights. Fitted bricks from a millennia past dominated the smaller spaces, like an ancient Jenga set that had been forgotten. Hank glanced at the older portions, turning her contact lenses cammed to take photos by blinking her eyes. Runes and hieroglyphics decorated the older construction. Scrawl and cuneiform danced with one another, like graffiti and neon meeting for a drink. A side project wouldn't be surprising. Silver moved like a boxer, practicing dance steps, never crossing his feet. A genetic experiment? Or something else? Something else? Hank mulled over the implications of that statement, rolling it across her thoughts like she was sampling a wine she couldn't be sure of. Maybe something not natural? Something not born in our evolutionary path? Huh. Silver grunted like he knew indigestion was setting in. I don't think this is a time or place to worry about that. Maybe we can revisit this topic later? Two more paragraphs and we'll give commentary. They turned a corner and a light appeared in the distance, a low yellow glow diffused by the dark walls of the corridor. Moving closer, they saw an oval hatchway that looked like it belonged in a military ship instead of a dirt passage, a dim umber bulb swaying above it. And hello, Ray. Good to see you. Okay, Tara, what do you got for these couple pages?
0: So I'm going to go back to that first page that you wrote. Go ahead. Um, Hank, I want to actually address the paragraph before I highlighted because ahead. there's a intimacy there and a lot of the description, you know, teased her bottom lip, etc. Yeah. you know, stroking like an eager lover. I love that that's with her rifle.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: that kind of language again it's with her rifle I love that Um, and and again that was just that I could go on forever about how much I love Hank's my favorite character (laughs) in a lot of things right now Travis knows this so the, the, the following paragraph is the one that Travis mentioned he'd had through a haze of gun smoke and sweat at the end of the paragraph the reader, however, you're already describing the dusting, twitching corpses writhing in the afterglow of sudden death. And then you're telling them that you're looking at they're looking at it through the haze of gun smoke, wrong, and order. Sweat. wrong order. They don't see that. T- so they've got to rewind that little bit of video in their head that they created and replay it with the haze and smoke and sweat whatnot. So you need that first, because that's what they're going to see first. And then through that, they're seeing the corpses, etc. So that's why good that got there. changed.
1: Yeah, good at it. Um, what else yeah. you got? Uh,
0: well, we'll let me see what we got. And then um, the next one, um, they turned a- Yeah. Yeah, they turned a corner, and I wanted to make sure that you actually read that part before <laughs> I said. Oh, wait, he did read this, right? Yeah. They turned a corner, and a light appeared in the distance. Originally, that they turned a corner was, again, after. The original was a light appeared in the distance as they turned a corner. They have to turn the corner before the light appears. So you have to have that. Again, because otherwise what happens in the reader's head is almost like a little rewind and then they have to replay and that stops the action, makes them work harder. And you don't want your reader working hard. Right. You want them to just keep on going. Um, And and so that was kind of the same thing with both of those um, paragraphs. Make sure everything is in the right order and that's what sometimes that as is telling you so if you do a quick little word search i know it, it it can get a little bit hard in a long sentence because sometimes you need that as but if you search for that and you look at it check is is what it telling you is that you have things in the wrong order
1: okay that's good advice so not too much with the prose, with the flowery, with the crazy descriptions. And you need them. And this is also something, you know, I mentioned... What's his name? Uh, Silver firing by instinct, just going straight off the hip there and just firing <laughs> wildly. And then he has to count his ammo and change a clip. Whereas Hank, each thing is precise. She knows the exact count of her ammo, doesn't have to check it. And this yes. is to show the difference. Uh-huh.
0: And also shows the difference that Hank recognizes it. Silver doesn't recognize that difference in them. Right. Not till you know, towards the end. Um, again, this is some of that character and relationship development that goes on. But Hank right here is aware. Hank is very outwardly. Silver is kind of... Um, introspective a little bit more um in, in this whole and, and there's reasons for it which are hinted at and those hints become stronger as we go on Um but yeah that was not just showing the difference between those two characters on the surface but also showing the difference because Hank recognizes that she is doing it differently than Silver
1: fun fact guys um I decided I didn't really enjoy writing combat scenes. So they just took out 12 things in three or four paragraphs without me doing the combat. But the combat is there. You know the combat. You picture this combat. But I've turned combat into character development. Combat for me has become my goal is to, just like with dialogue, to develop the character. To show their personality through their combat. So this is an example of that, where I'm doing that. Just like they're going through the halls, Silver is going like military step, not one foot in front of the other, keeping his feet straight, and he's looking down the hall. Whereas Hank is taking in everything. Again, showing that differences, that dichotomy between the two characters, how they view the world differently constantly. And I try to do this through their actions Instead of just saying, they viewed the world differently, Hank looked around, Silver was focused, but on the other hand, Hank is super focused on her ammo and her shots, and Silver is all over the place. So, that's that's one thing. And again, you don't have to agree with it. You can absolutely think this is wrong, or think it's great, because we all like different things. Okay, ready for the next couple pages?
0: Um, actually, just if you could stomp at that next highlight.
1: Absolutely. The green one? Or the orange one? Orange one. Okay. Just after it?
0: Yeah. Okay. Read, read through that orange and it. then stop. Three
1: or four paragraphs here, guys. Um, yeah. So they just saw the hatchway with the bulb swinging above it. The two stomped in front of it and one looked at another. Uh, sorry. The two stopped in front of it and looked at one another, a question in their eyes, but neither voicing it. With a shrug, Silver holstered his weapons and reached for the steel wheel that would open the doorway to whatever lay beyond. He put his back into it, turning the metal door dial, and the grinding noise was a mix of nerves on edge and grit in the cogs. The light above the door flickered like a jaundiced, blinking eye.
0: The reason I wanted you to stop there is originally you had that paragraph ending like a jaundiced eye blinking mm-hmm. um, And I have changed it and in, in to a jaundiced blinking eye. But it depends. all right And this is something here. There's nothing wrong with how you had it. it all depends on whether you want to use blinking as a verb meaning that that eye is actually do that 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 light is actually doing something and do you mean to imply that that light is actually doing something like it's actually showing like indicating there's a video a a camera or something or is it just their perception of it like that jaundiced blinking eye which is a little bit more static because it's just describing it at that point
1: i just want the description it is not a separate intelligence or activity it's atmosphere that's
0: i just wanted to because there's nothing wrong with how you had it before if it's what you wanted if you wanted that blinking to be a verb and kind of put some intelligence or something behind that light which you could have in here i mean it
1: perfectly acceptable in this world i think in three to four paragraphs you would have seen something somebody at the control panel sending the signal through the lighting etc and if that's not in there i think the way you put it is probably a a good edit right there okay ready for more
0: yep and yeah
1: and we're definitely moving along better (laughs) better this time and something i'll tell anybody listening or viewing this As the book goes, which is quite often the case for me The writing gets smoother and flows better Once I've explored and laid the groundwork Everything just moves a little better And that's what we're seeing here as we go on Also I did the really fun noir-esque writing Which I enjoyed the hell out of Okay, I'm going to try to get Any place you need me to stop Or shall I try to hit a page or two Or maybe even three
0: no, go ahead and hit a page okay.
1: or two. I'm going to basically hit it till probably they're inside the room. Um, okay. Yeah, let's go ahead and do that and get yeah, us into the... that's a good stopping point. Right. Yeah, I'll find a place. A face of hard-edged hate appeared in the crack of the door. The flare of muzzle fire turned the dim glow of the bulb above the door and the stark contrast of their harness lights into a shadow compared to the doom that raised at them. Silver and Smith dove face first into the dirt, eating dust, the bullets screaming past them, biting into the stones behind their backs. Silver flipped, spinning to plant his feet against the door and shove it away from him. It hit the man that had been hidden behind it, like a tiger laying in wait in a jungle of earth and metal. The attacker flew back, his weapon spiraling from his hand. Hank pushed to a sitting position and Sidney sang her song of impending death and danger. I love the alliteration there. Yes, that's beautiful. A jagged dot-to-dot puzzle danced across the wall, following an artist's hand to the final point. Silver followed his partner's lead, peppering the weasel that popped with lead and attitude sparks of impact made the attacker dance like the infamous ladies man awesome austin see i pulled that out i thought in a club where a disco ball explodes hold on cat calling sorry she was in her office she needed out um i'm going to reread that line sparks of impact made the attacker dance like the infamous ladies man awesome austin in a club where a disco ball explodes Silver and Smith leapt to their feet like they were in a, in Zero-G and were inside the door before their enemy stopped jigging like a maniac. A half-dozen and lab coats scattered like roaches when the kitchen light flicked on, seeking cover from the dance card suddenly marked as full by bullets. The room had plate-glass windows that showed a pit of creatures, offshoots of the mole-rat whitewash rottweilers twisting in a macabre orgy of movement the smell of sweat loam and indecision hung in the air as the scientist stared wide-eyed at the intruders shall i stop here for a moment
0: yeah let's stop there for a moment so um right at the very beginning of this part of your reading um a face of hard-edged hate appeared in the crack of the door as it opened was your original
1: as he did Um, as she did
0: yeah. Um, we were already knew they were opening the door. We don't need that. It slows down the reader. Keep the pace going. Gotcha. Then um, with that next paragraph, I'm going to read it the way it was originally written. Good. Silver and Smith dove face first into the dirt, eating dust as the bullets screamed past them and biting into the stones behind their backs. Okay. And this was the edits. I took out the as it, it took out the and and it's, Silver and Smith dove face first into the dirt, eating dust. The bullets screaming past them, biting into the stones behind their backs.
1: It smooths the action. It takes...
0: And there's no breathing room for the reader. At Capella University, education is as smart as the world around us. With the FlexPath format, you can take classes at your own pace, set your own deadlines, and even leverage your previous experience to move faster. Now that's smart. Learn more at capella.edu with mailchimp you get more than a url you get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales with things like data-driven recommendations and powerful automation tools get started today at mailchimp.com smart marketing mailchimp built for growing businesses
1: okay and you want
0: them to feel that immediacy what else um
1: I'm glad we did this just because the as thing is something I'm going to end up lingering on and looking to learn from. That's the one thing from this book I'm grabbing at that I can learn from to make future things better. So I really appreciate this. I,
0: I noticed a lot. You, you used it a lot less. Okay. In this book than in previous books. So yes, you're, I, I see the difference. I see, see that. Um, is there an actual awesome Austin? The, it's a, is it's that chara- an actual it's a character or? I do.
1: It's an inside Leave joke. it in
0: there.
1: Leave it you in you got
0: to leave it in there. I actually like that part. Don't it's, take it out. And
1: it, it, it's a character that some people have said is horribly offensive, but he's he's a person with awkward speech style that just has ultimate confidence in himself. So Okay. It's a voice people can request on Twitch, and I put on this hat, and I talk like this, and I talk about how the ladies just love me. So some people are like, well, that's offensive. And I'm like, but he's great with himself. He's confident. So yeah, I mean pros and cons. I get it. <laughs> Either way, I understand it. Okay. All right.
0: So I like that. You drop little references in, like the Jenga game, and whatnot, and then this one, which I didn't recognize, but I could still see, you know, and in my mind it was some guy in like an Elvis, late Elvis costume, you know, discoing.
1: Imagine <laughs> Urkel type character. But I love it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, so even like if the reader understands your reference or not it i think works because you 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 drop those little things in that are just different you know either to remind us that there's still similarities to our world because you're world building here this is an alternate um universe alternate reality so you're reminding folks that there are things that are very much very similar but then for some of us you drop in something like that like we should all know and we don't
1: you know what? And I'm I think gonna,
0: that is.
1: I'm going to add beautiful too. I'm going to add awesome Austin into the epilogue. They're going to mention that they saw him or something like that. That way, it gives a frame of reference at some point in time. So now he'll be a character right. in this world somewhere.
0: Yes.
1: Okay, that's a good idea. Because that's one thing I tried to do with the epilogue is all those loose threads that I had laying around that I couldn't cover in the word count I wanted to touch on them and give okay. some sort of closing on each of them. Um, so
0: maybe they're watching him. Maybe he's, entertain- he- he's the entertainment for the and evening. And actually,
1: I can make him on the screen as they're awkwardly eating and Here avoiding the topic. He could just be yep. on the screen. There's Awesome Austin dancing, surrounded by ladies. and. He has the waistband way too high in suspenders. and There we go. You know, he um, has a fez, a multicolor rainbow fez with a spinner on top. Something.
0: There we go. Yes, yeah, something so that, um, but I love that you have those little pop culture references scattered throughout to remind the reader that there is the familiar here. Mm-hmm. So and then you you know throw in the little odd one that the reader doesn't necessarily pop up but it's like oh okay and that helps remind them that there are differences in this world it's not just our future it's 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 a it's a it's an offshoot of our future and i think those do that beautifully
1: do you remember the manager of the club they went to where they first met green and gray to Jinter. Yes. that's actually yep. one of my viewers i used his name and dave the very awkward waiter at the very end is another mm-hmm. viewer who's like put me in there i'll put you in there as an awkward terrible person <laughs> you know but it comes i we've all had Sorry. that waiter <laughs>
0: It reminded me of my husband, and oh. I was like, and the name even fit, so okay. I was just like, ooh.
1: We're all going to know something like that.
0: I'm in the midst of a thunderstorm now. If anybody happens to hear rolling thunder, my apologies. It just, op- like, the rain just opened up here. Nice. Um, okay. So the next. Uh-huh. At Capella University, you're in control of your education with the game-changing FlexPath format you can set your own deadlines and move at your own pace. The faster you move, the more you save. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Here we go. I'm sorry. I, I have my other little laptop so I can see what's called, co- you know, so I can look at and, and focus and see my notes. So the next highlight I have is the roaches when the kitchen lights.
1: Like roaches when the kitchen lights flicked on.
0: Yes. You've used that before. Did I? Yes now it's beautiful as a description but you used it already in this novel
1: do you remember which place it fits better i'll look at it i'll watch for it look at it because i think it fits equally well in each now i know there's the roaches later in in when he stomps on the tree trunk and he or when he when the tentacles are coming down, and he remembers back to his childhood when he stepped on the tree trunk to kill a roach, but that's not what you're thinking of, yeah? No. Okay. No, I'm not. I'm thinking of roaches and light uh, specifically
0: because it's a beautiful image, um, and I think it works well here. But I think it worked just as well at the other place, which is why in here I don't give us a. I'm like, you're repeating.
1: No, that's fair. Even though it's only twice in the book. It's enough in a jar a reader going, wait a minute. Um, So maybe there's something better in one of the places or the other. Okay, ready for me to go on? Yeah. Yes. Okay, let's see what we can get here. Okay, so they just came in. Dance card suddenly marked as full by bullets. Scientists staring wide-eyed. Another door with the wheel in the center like an oreo cookie begging to be twisted was on the other side of the laboratory. A gemstone of greenish yellow with an eye slit of grey so deep it was almost black glared at the two from a stand of pale polished metal in the center of one of the three stainless steel tables that stood waist high. I feel like I need to put three waist high stainless steel tables. But I'll address that when I go back through and do the cleanup. A Light Beyond the Mystical... Right. Yeah, a light, And I'm not changing it here for anybody watching because I have a separate copy in the program I normally use, and I'm just hoping I remember this shit. I'll actually go through these three chapters over these three episodes of Right Night with a fine-tooth comb, so hopefully I remember all these things I've said. And I am taking some notes. Okay. <clears throat> a light behind the mystical stone fought its way to an albino screen on the wall figures, and equations mingled with the runes from the tablet, like a mixer where everyone knew someone but wasn't sure if they would go home and get lucky or not. You know, I could probably take out go home, where they weren't sure if they would get lucky or not.
0: No, leave it in.
1: You think so? Okay. Uh Uh-huh. And also, just so everybody knows, the figures and equations mingling with runes, this comes into play a lot in the la- in the final act. This is something we see a lot. You remember this stuff, Tara?
0: Yes. I just want to explain why I want you to go leave, ahead. go home, and, since you brought it up. Um, because initially when you, as the reader, but wasn't sure if they could go home, what kind of party? You might not make it out alive and get lucky or not.
1: Double meaning. because
0: you don't know what you're right. There's this double thing, in this, and then it's get lucky. And, oh, okay. But at the same time, that first little instinct, because of the nature of your story, it works. <laughs> and then you have that <clears throat> get lucky or not, which means, oh, okay, it's a regular they The parties are the same in this world as, as in ours, but it for a minute there, there's that spark of what kind of what happens at parties in this world? Because it's different enough gotcha. that it makes the reader, and it just—I I just think it's beautiful that. It Seem like you're heading in one direction, and then you go right back into the familiar of. Oh, what about to get, you know, go get
1: after before. go home?
0: No, I don't think it needs it because okay. then it's like you're you're rubbing it in the face you're of the reader. Let hard. the reader get it themselves. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay, Uh, trying too hard is something I've done all my life, so I understand and appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Hank was transfixed, her attention drawn like a drunk to a bottle, and her mouth hung open like a teen boy seeing his first set of naked breasts. I'm going to pause here for that, because some people would go, you talk about Hank, why would that fit? Read both books, you'll understand more. (laughs) Did you like the flirt scene, the awkward flirt scene I put in later? Uh, uh, yes. Do you remember it on the cryptid? It's uh okay. Silver wasn't so lucky. He could still see, if not sense and smell, the danger of the foe rising from the floor. The man was riddled with scars from where the bullets had struck him, but not penetrated his flesh. It's <laughs> a good question. Wordwood <laughs> says. Besides, who m dashes home? <laughs> Santa Claus. He m dashes Um... Dash away. M-dash. M-dash away all. Um, the man had flawless hair, though it had taken a bullet and created a second part, but his glare was a spotlight that cut through the night that was Silver's awareness. Byron Savage. The man's voice was clear and strong, cutting like a hot blade through the butter of the tension in the room. Let my name be the last thing on your mind as you die. The man brought his... Up his right arm, and a V of, sight of a sighting mechanism popped up on his wrist. Silver dove to the side, tackling Smith to the ground as a pulse of energy burst forward. The glass between the room and the mosh pit of alien beasts vibrated. A tone, like a gong in a dream, reverberated throughout the chamber, and the window danced to the beat of this new instrument. Savage's eyes. Pause. Pause. W- Go ahead. Pause. 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 Go.
0: I just want to say how much I love how you carried the imagery through that. The party. The party. We're still there. It's the music. It's the, I, I just want to mention, I notice and it's beautiful.
1: Thank you. It's uh, and, and here's a fun fact. I don't even know if it was consciously. I don't think it was consciously. This is just how my mind was. It was a fast beat. I'm imagining the movie. You got that boom, 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 boom music going. And uh, and Ray said, I should pop in on these editing streams more often. I see a lot of interesting writing. Um, I tell you what, right night is a great thing, right? Thank you for joining it. Um, Savage's eyes went wide, realizing what he'd done. And I should... I should make that heed, instead of he had done, a snarl appearing on his pale face as the window increased its gyrations and then collapsed in exhaustion. The glass shattered, exploding in a starburst of miniature crystalline cubes, decorating lab techs and monsters alike in an intricate lacework of lacerations. I'm looking to see if I need another common there for breathing. The men and women were frozen in place, looking down at themselves and then up at the man who'd fired the shot, their eyes woozy and confused from the energy of the magpulse. These people in white coats wouldn't be coming coming to get anyone any time soon. The creatures on the other side of the half-wall were a different story. They wobbled a bit, but were a meter lower than the observation room above them. Blunted snouts raised and scented the air, hundreds of eyes on dozens of creatures, turning upwards towards the buffet aroma of terror and confusion, a favorite meal for their kind. Beasts leapt to the sill that divided the pit and laboratory, clawed front feet hooking the edge of the wall, back feet scrambling to gain purchase and push them over the edge. The scientists danced on the edge also, but for them it was the edge of sanity. The otherworldly monstrosities that had been contained moments before now flopped and bounced into the room, claws clattering on the ceramic floor. The team of researchers lurched in all directions like drunken revelers in a club that was suddenly an inferno of imminent demise and dismemberment. A cacophony of screams filled the air and the creatures dove into a feast of a smorgasbord of scientists. I really had fun with this stupid shit. I really did.
0: Uh, um, I, l- let's pause just a moment because there's beautiful pieces of alliteration in there. Um, smorgasbord sciences. Um, demise and dismemberment. And then you know, and that carried through that whole sent that that whole little section. And then you, when you have the beasts coming out, the otherworldly monstrosities that had been contained moments before, now flopped and bounced into the room, claws clattering on the ceramic tile floor. We lose that alliteration that we've had, and it works so beautifully because suddenly we have not just in the scene, but the words reflect the fact that we've lost that little bit of pasting. Hit
1: mm-hmm.
0: chaos, and it's reflected in those words by losing that little bit of alliteration where reading along, you, you, you kind of get into that little bit of a rhythm, of bits of alliteration, and you're expecting it. And we don't get it. Because something has happened horribly wrong, and that dissonance of what you're expecting is another little bit of alliteration to come in there isn't there, and then we get it again.
1: Just want to <clears throat> As point we that out. Beautiful. Switch who we're focusing on. Yeah. <clears throat> so that shows the scientists human party. That's their theme. The monsters are monsters. <clears throat> Okay, regaining their feet, men and women tottered past Silver and Smith. The crowd rushed towards the open door that the two had come through. An older man with a gut like a warning label for heart disease wobbled by, only to go down under the mass of a monster. Savage refocused his left hand, raising and moving it with precise aim. Small darts shot out with puffs of compressed air and the beast staggered back, the metal pins of pain and pharmaceuticals piercing the pack of nightmares. There's that damn alliteration again. Lots of it
0: there. So
1: fun. Silver's weapons were back in his... I feel like the alliteration really helps the rhythm of of the music in in my head when I was writing. Silver's weapons were back in his hands, muzzles flaring with violence, and any of the monsters that came in his direction were convinced to seek easier prey by a bullet to the face. Checking our time. We might actually finish this chapter before the end of the podcast. Get that, Silver shouted to Smith over the carnage, gesturing towards the gem on the stand. I'll get the door. Hank shouldered Sydney, leading her every step, and look with the modifier short barrel, modified short barrel of the rifle. She popped off around at any creature who looked at her wrong, but ignored the team of researchers. After all, why shoot the bait? Savage was bashing one of the creatures that had latched onto his forearm, in the side of its head with his free fist, but his eyes followed Silver and Smith. Silver hit the door at a run, slamming into the steel oval, his hands gripping the wheel and his guns at the same time. He turned the mechanism, the shrill whine of the lock bars, calling attention to that corner of the room. Hank took advantage of all eyes, looking at her partner, and pocketed the cat's eye moonstone. The archaeologist's brain spun in this murderous carnival of carnage. Her instinct was to try to save the people in the room, but her brain pointed out that these were the ones that had stolen the stone, trapped or bred the beasts, and were now trying to kill them. Some of the staff had made it out the door that Hank had come in by, and and we'll talk about that, you've got that highlighted, had come in by, and the fleeing foes had been followed by the opportunistic hunters. Shouts came from down the tunnel, a staccato accompaniment to the harmony of screams in the room. You want to talk about that real quick?
0: Yes. Um, Now, this is how you wrote it. And Mm -hmm. so far, I have left it. Because what I want to do is read what would make it correct, okay, grammatically speaking, and probably... um,
1: this is an easy fix, actually. If we could just take it and say some of the staff have made it out of the door that Hank, where Hank had come in. Instead of that Hank had come in by. What do you think?
0: Because yeah. what, what I had originally was going to put, mm-hmm. and I didn't because it is um, out the door by which Hank had entered.
1: Hmm
0: but it is a much more formal feel. And I put it in and then I deleted it because I'm like, okay, suddenly we're making this formal, very formal. I like your change better. That's why I didn't, that's why I highlighted it.
1: where Hank had come in.
0: uh, Had made it out, uh, had made it out the door where Hank had come in. Probably keeps with that, uh, you know, casual rhythm, less formal verbiage, ...but doesn't
1: hang up. Okay. So, back to this. With an impatient yeah. huff... <sighs> ...Hank raised Sidney... ...and planted a slug into the calf... ...of one of the fleeing staff. Hello, John. John says delete it all. <laughs> <laughs> and that's John of Conquest... <laughs> ...publishing for you there, Tara. Um, okay. Uh, the other woman went down... ...and two creatures piled on top of her... ...for the easy meal... Hank turned and walked backwards towards Silver, placing precise shots into the legs of the scientists. The techs screamed when their legs exploded, and I should go with limbs exploded, and toppled to the ground. In moments, the room was an orgy of blood and a feeding frenzy of flesh. Savage threw down the corpse of the beast he'd been pummeling and raised his left arm to fire the dart gun at Silver. A spray of red mist shot out with the compressed air but the weapon didn't send a dart towards the bounty hunter. It had jammed with the fluids forced into it when Savage had been beating the last monster to a pulp. Let's see, where are we at? With just a couple pages left. I think we're going to try to get through these and then wrap this mm-hmm. episode up because there's not a lot of corrections. You interrupt me if you need to say something. Nope. It's open, Silver shouted at Hank's back and stepped through to the cool hallway beyond. Hank continued to move towards the exit, but faced the room to cover the escape. Oh, no you don't, Savage yelled and charged Hank. A hand grabbed Hank's harness from behind her and yanked her through the doorway, the steel door slamming on her boot, stopping it from closing. Fingers appeared on the edge of the door as Hank pulled her foot free. The hand on the door jerked it ten centimeters wider, and Savage's face appeared in the opening, spittle and blood spattering the modified man's lips and chin. I will tear you apart! Savage's gritted teeth were stained burgundy, and he spat the words at Silver. Silver pulled on the door with both hands. His guns dropped. I should probably put dropping in the dirt at his feet instead of dropped. Either one would work, though, I think.
0: Yeah, I left it. It it works.
1: Okay. Hank lay on the ground between the two men, looking up at them from her back, her knees pulled up to her chest. Oi! She raised Sidney's muzzle. Piss off, mate! Hank fired three shots, two hit the man's fingers, and the digits danced through the air, pirouetting across her vision. The third shot took him in the forehead. His head snapped back and he lost his grip. Silver slammed the door shut, spinning the wheel to lock it. Hank pushed to her feet, pulling a small canister from a pouch, and sprayed thick off-white foam around the wheel until it was covered in a mound of it. Maybe of it can come out of that, and just covered in a mound. Because that's the as she did, as he did, done again. The stuff hardened into a stiff lump, and she discarded the empty can, turning to look at Silver. The sounds of the massacre could still be heard through 15 centimeters of steel, but it was muted. Weirland, should we go now, yeah? Oh, uh, sorry, we should go now, yeah? Hank asked her partner, tilting her head to indicate that they should head down the hall. Yeah, Silver breathed, let's do that. Hank turned and jogged down the passage, the beam of her LED on her harness dancing across the walls like a floodlight on fast-moving storm clouds. Silver scooped up his glocks and ran to catch up. End of chapter. Any closing thoughts before we uh, do the outro? Um,
0: I like how we still, even once they're outside the room, you, you've still carried a little bit of the party mm-hmm. imagery, um, muted, of course, which is winding things down for them. Right. Um, so uh, that was, was I, I like that. I also like how we got into Hank's head a little bit. And how she very logically thought through, which again, we were talking a little bit about characterization, right. which again, that developmental edit, and I'm only doing a copy edit, which is why there's nothing marked up here, but I want to bring it up.
1: I love your um, developmental editor comments when I'm making my edit. I really do.
0: Um, because that's that's a unexpected characterization from
1: Hank. Especially when she thinks I want to save these people. Why would I shoot the people that you know what? Shoot the people that are distracting them. Yes. Um,
0: But she very calmly it's very very similar to she knows exactly how much ammunition she has left. From chapter seven, where we we had that that difference, mm-hmm. and here we are again, and she is very calmly and logically looking at this situation, almost from a an observer kind of of position. Um, and you usually consider we have a male lead and a female lead in this book, and usually the female lead is the more emotional mm-hmm. and you always get the male lead is the one who can stand back and look at it and you know, make that objective um, decisions um, and I think that it's wonderful that you've given that to Hank here it's
1: very reversed in the whole book actually yes you know, your, your stoic is. strong man who Silver is he's the emotional and one he when you get in his head and Hank is I've got to do something very I almost want to say autistic in her approach to the world and i'm good with that i want something like that it's able to compartmentalize not that she's unemotional or doesn't no feel but she doesn't get why other people can't think a little more
0: right she has that ability to stand back in a moment you know not after the fact and look at it and go oh why should? no in the moment to stand back Think those things through and make the call.
1: And by the way, book one had where she shot somebody and she did have to have the aftermath emotional reaction. Yep. But this one, um, she's grown.
0: She's And it's a different situation here. It is. In the first one, it's a very different because she, she killed somebody. She doesn't know these people. Mm hmm in any interactions. And in the first one, when she makes that, it, it's a completely different situation, <clears throat> which would character develop in the first novel for her. And this is less character development and more of us showing, of you just showing us um, how in this type of situation, <clears throat> because there is no emotional connection for her, she's able to maintain that
1: well, also in the first one, she outright killed somebody. This one, she went, This is your bed, you're gonna lie in it. I didn't make this bed, I'm leaving. You deal with this exactly. shit.
0: Exactly. Again, you go through there's this logic. And if you've read the first one, this is not out of character for Hank. Because you got tastes of this before in, in even your first it even, even the first novel for Hank. Um and again, here, because um, her thought process is different here. Um, she doesn't know these people at all. And in looking at them, they were very obviously the bad guys. They were here. And <clears throat> they knew risk. And if it were on the other foot, they'd kill her in a heartbeat.
1: It's true. And That's what they reckon- were doing here. Okay. Exactly. Let's wrap this up. You guys have a great time. Thank you for joining us. Let's get some outro info and music and uh we'll catch you all guys next episode where we will be editing I believe chapter twenty five, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, chapter 25. Yes. Okay, we'll catch you then. Let's get that outro stuff, and we'll catch you soon. Before we go, I want to remind everyone that you can email us at rightnightshow at gmail.com. That's right with a W, night with an N, show at gmail.com. To let us know your thoughts on the show's topics, suggest other topics you'd like to hear us discuss, or just have a message read out on air to someone in your life. Thanks to everyone for supporting the show by downloading the podcast, sharing it on social media, grabbing some shirt stickers and mugs from bit.ly slash tavern merch, were barware patches and hats from bit.ly slash tavern merch too it's bit.ly slash tavern merch or tavern merch followed by the number two thanks to everyone who joined us live at twitch.tv slash travis tavern talk and everyone who supports the tavern by subscribing hosting, throwing bits raids and most of all commenting Joining our author Travesai Sivart and the other writers, content, creators, and all-around amazing people for our discussion here on Right Night. Join us again soon and until you do, make sure you create with passion, enjoy the journey, and remember, every night can be right now.
0: Tis the season for those irresistible ginger thins, cozy blankets for cuddling by the fire, and making home warm and welcoming. For one-stop holiday shopping, visit your local IKEA or ikea-usa.com slash holiday.